Hi, Gavin. Hi, Louie. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy day before the 4th of July, even though this episode will come out I know. after the 4th of July. We are celebrating America. We're celebrating gays. Yeah. Gay America. Gay America. <laughs> hey, it's the 90s. Everyone's gay. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Uh, so, uh, real quick heads up. Uh, you're probably going to hear some extra noises in this episode. We're recording in a place we don't normally record, but part of that is, is we don't want to boil alive in a back room. Yeah. And also, because it's the night before July 4th. Uh, I have neighbors who are blasting music, mm, so it's yeah. really just a lose-lose situation for all of us. Please stay with us. Stay with us. During these tragic audio times. Trying times. Oh, hard, really. Hard times. Hard times. I mean, it's officially Gay Wrath Month. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the backlash. Yes. Yeah, so, Here we are. Here we are. I so mean, we're keeping angry. We're yeah. keeping the spirit going, though, with this episode. Exactly. Um, we were, like, going to try and, like, get this out in time for Pride Things, but, like, we're busy gays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got things to do. We do have stuff to do. Busy gay things to do. Uh, uh, for the record, I'm bi. For those people. Yes, yes. <laughs> Gavin, the bi erasure? Yeah, the bi erasure. Too real. Not here. Not on no, this Not on no, this day. Nope, 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 nope. Um, and, so, and, and was that you coming out, Gavin? That was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And going back in. Uh, and coming out. Uh-huh. And coming back in. Disgusting. It's... it's- <laughs> Disgusting, Gavin. <laughs> we have, we've barely started drinking, but hey, welcome to the Here Mixed Reviews. Welcome, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Yes, absolutely. We are a podcast, a film podcast, in which we take an actor or a director or a mini genre, and we break it down by its parts and put it back together, mm-hmm. and then we tell you what's best about it and what's worst about yeah, it. Yeah, we are a noted podcast oh, now. Absolutely. We have been making the rounds. I must say, there's been a couple different people that have given shout-outs. Little shout-outs makes us feel so good. Yeah. I... Uh, I was telling you, like, it's kind of shocking that people listen and, yeah. like, think we're good at what we do. I don't know. Yeah. the uh, Well, don't get... Not too fast. Right, right. No right. One thinks we're good fine, at what fine, we do, fine. But they listen. I'd like to thank MakeUseOf.com, who actually put us on the top eight best movie podcast list. That's is, insane. Yeah, that's insane. Thank you so much. We uh, came in at a healthy eight, so yeah. we... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? We, we're happy to be here. Thank by, you so much. By the skin of our press-on nails. Yes. Um, and also, uh, Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour podcast uh, yeah. gave us an audio shout-out uh, when one on of their... their show. Yeah, one of their hosts challenged the other hosts to give us a listen, and they listened to a bunch of episodes. Yeah, so. we're, we're changing lives out here, okay? Yeah, exactly. We're so glad. Amanda now is a... a she's come back to the lightness of um, Anne yes. Hathaway. We're glad to have you. Absolutely. Um, come to church yes. every Sunday. We yes. pray at the altar of Hathaway. Um, <laughs> All are welcome. Uh, but thank you so much, everybody, that's that's gone out of their way to to mention us, to, to reach out to us, and to to really talk about us and, and spread the word about us, the gospel of the mixed yes. reviews. I would also, because I like to read these, and I always say I'm going to, and then I forget, I would also like to point out that we did get another five-star review Ooh. on iTunes. This one's from Jim F. Qualls, and it's titled Worth a Listen. Found this podcast through This Had Oscar Buzz podcast. Good chemistry between the cute hosts. Cute hosts? Oh, oh my you. God. Thank you, Jim. And uh, each episode is a nice length. Definitely worth a listen if you're a movie nut and pop culture fan. They do a good job giving you just enough research about each artist to be a thoughtful listen, but not boring. Wow. That is the first time someone's called me not boring. <laughs> so... Thank you very much. Uh, but yes, uh, before we move into this week's subject, which yes. you did mention is a very prideful subject. Yes, we have some old business to take care of. Um, it's been a little bit, but the last episode we did was on the hunky-dory Australian Chris Hemsworth. Um, we asked you guys to go in an online poll and to vote what your favorite movie was. It's crazy. All I remember from that episode is apps. Yeah. It's all so crazy. Yeah. It was just like you which, and me. Which is your favorite Chris Hemsworth app. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I like three. Mm, I like a left up, like upper left. You oh, know, that upper one? left. That's a good That's one. A good, yeah. Girls looking good this season. <laughs> um, in last place was Rush with 5%. Uh, bad times at the El Royale, which was our guest Joel's um, pick, came in at twelve percent. Ghostbusters strangely came in at fourteen percent. We barely talked about it yeah. too, but I'm glad everybody enjoyed his performance. Um, overwhelmingly and sexily enough, Thor Ragnarok came in at sixty nine percent. Ew, nice. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I was having some trouble like figuring out what that fourth movie should be in the poll, and then I put Ghostbusters in, and it came in second. Yeah, so. I think I think you picked. The right one. I definitely. I was not going to put it in the heart of the sea. <laughs> Absolutely not. What's that one? That's yeah. the fake Moby Dick one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally, it's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, with little Spider Man. Oh, but forgetting Chris Hemsworth. Yes, goodbye, goodbye. Trade. Welcome to this week's subject, yes. which is drag on film. Drag on film. Oh my god, I'm really excited about this episode I am too. Actually, it was really fun to. I mean, so I know this podcast is not going to come out during Pride season, but every month is Pride season. Yeah, but I'm oh, just yeah. not going to do things anymore because um, <laughs> I'm tired. You uh, marched an entire parade. You're I, fine. I thank you. Um, but like, I was watching these movies during Pride season and all throughout the month. And I was like, this is the best. Like, you're watching about queer people and, uh, not only, cause last year we did, uh, LGBT, queer yeah, queer yeah. cinema. Um, and this year we're really focusing and honing in specifically on drag. Right. And, and I do want to take this moment to give the same disclaimer I gave during queer cinema, which is we don't want to say what we're saying is the end all be all of drag cinema. There's plenty of movies we didn't get a chance to watch when we do a genre dissection. I mean, there's going to be stuff that we missed. Yeah. So we're not saying we're experts. I don't want any of you to think that I'm Santino ricing this with right. no knowledge of drag. Right. Like we did, we did research. We but... did research. I mean, but it's, so this, I think this is a good place to like talk a little bit about our subject. <clears throat> Absolutely. So we wanted to, I mean, when we, I, I brought it up and we were both kind of were excited about the idea, but also hesitant because it's like a landmine right. of all sorts of things and discussions. Neither of us does drag. No. Um, I like have maybe like some drag acquaintances. Right. Not really anyone who's like been doing drag for years and years or like as a professional, right. you know, working showgirl, whatever. Um, so in talking about these movies, you know, um, I, I don't think we're, uh, you know, like you said, not the experts in knowing like what, uh, how it is to be a drag queen or like watching a movie and being like, oh, it showcased how to be a real drag queen. Like, right. Who can ever be sure? And, and also like, I, I was very hesitant too, because at the time that Vulture article had just come out, like yeah. tensions were high amongst the non-drag yes. fans yes. of the drag community. But I think a lot of that has hopefully blown over, though don't read that article. Don't Google don't, Vulture and Drag. No. But also, I mean, I think, so here's the thing. I think drag, like, let's talk about like, drag movies like, yeah. at writ large. I think as I was watching these movies and reading about movies that feature drag in them, I in my head, I was like, I think we can classify there are three types of drag movies. One, there are documentaries about drag queens. There's your the queens. There's your Paris is Burning pageant. Pageant, yeah. Um, those are about real life drag Ooh, queens. Drag time, which is one I found that was on an HBO America Undercover episode. Okay, that's the first category. Like the first bucket of drag movies is documentaries. Yeah, real life drag queens. The second one, 
um, is movies in which the central characters are drag queens and that is their profession. Yes. They are doing drag queen things. They're being entertainers um, and interacting with the world as drag queens, right. as we at large know them. And that's things like Outrageous, Adventures of Priscilla, yep. Queen of the Desert, yep. Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, pretty much any movie that has an incredibly long Kinky title. Boots. Kinky Boots. Yeah, like any, anything where drag queens are, you know, you see them at the club, they're doing their whatever, and then they also you know, maybe have love lives or um, torch song trilogy. Absolutely, a, a good example of that. And then I think the third bucket is uh, movies that are not about drag queens, but they feature characters that have to get into drag or they do drag for, or, or sometimes just a character in drag and it's not mentioned. Right, right. So that is like hairspray. Yes. Um, that is uh, like all of the Medea movies. Absolutely. Um, Mrs. Toot- Doubtfire. Tootsie. Tootsie. Uh, any of Charles Bush's films, including Psycho Beach Party and Die Mommy Die. Like these are all movies that feature, you know, a character in drag, but are not necessarily about drag queens. Absolutely. I mean, that's also like including Psycho. Yeah. Um, any movie where there is like gender performance that is um, not uh, the, the actor is doing the gender performance, not the character, if you will. Absolutely. Um, because no one's going to look at Mrs. Doubtfire and be like, oh, what a crazy drag queen movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Robin Williams is doing drag in that movie. And so these are the three buckets that I think. I was like on the train thinking about this. Like, how can we like structure this so people aren't coming after us? Like saying, that's not a drag queen movie. Right. We're talking about, I think all three of these buckets are going to be included in this conversation. Um, but just know that like, right there, we know that they're different. Um, we just, you know, there's only so much we can talk about. Like, too long foo like yeah, you know absolutely within the time frame we have we're trying to sort of give you as i mentioned the queer cinema episode a 101 a brief history you know everything to catch you up in the short amount of time we have with you right um that being said let's get into the rewind absolutely So the rerun was my job this week. Um, I think it'll be very collaborative. I, I just uh, laid out on a beach. I right. You did nothing. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Lots, of, lots of rum drinks. And can you imagine me on a beach? <laughs> People would be Sand. Like, <laughs> People would be like, oh, the whale's finally washed up. Oh, <laughs> oh Kevin. <laughs> I say the mean things that you can't. <laughs> and uh, thank you. And first of all, thank you. Um, drag has been entertaining audiences for a millennia. You know, like... Since the beginning of time, there have been people who have been doing gender performance for entertainment, whether it's, you know, Shakespeare, um, you know, when um, all men played parts and so they right. were, had to go and drag. Um, the opposite is also true when uh, it was funny. I was reading about like how, you know, the young boy parts like Peter Pan is often played by a woman. Right. Well, and part of that comes from, and this is maybe more long and complicated than you want to get into, uh, some of that history comes from opera. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the men yep. played the roles. And uh, so a lot of roles were written for countertenors, which is a very high range that most men can't sing. which led to the castrati, which was men having their genitals removed so they could sing these roles, and that fell out of fashion. So what you do is you would cast... Can't understand why. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, You would cast women in these roles, and they became what is known as pants roles. So you had women doing drag as men, drag kings, if you will, um, on stage. So it was interesting because it was sort of the reverse of what was happening during Shakespeare's time, in which only boys played women. Right. Um, And so... 
for our purpose, I mean, that's just like kind of a primer, you know, drag entertainment has been around forever in all sorts of different, you know, um, scenarios. Drag on, in film, um, really began in the early days of like uh, silent films, you know, Charlie Chaplin and, um, his movies, they were doing, uh, the tradition of female impersonation from the English music halls. Yeah. Um, when they came, and that's like all the way back in like 1910. This was the time, uh, pre-code, it was looser and, you know, it was more common. Right. But it was, and then it fell out of fashion or was there censors about how and, people could do, and, um, cross-dressing. And, and what, and what was interesting about it was until the censorship laws came in, it really, uh, even though it was a gender performance, wasn't about sexuality. And no. that's maybe yeah. where a lot of people get confused yeah. in a puritanical society is that gender and sex are not the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Julian Eltinge, who is like one of the most famous early uh, drag performers, uh, a man who did a bunch of silent films, looked beautiful as a woman, uh, but would get into fist fights with people because he wanted to prove his manhood. In 1911, Julian Eltinge, often referred to as the greatest female impersonator in theatrical history, won critical acclaim for his cross-dressing role in the play, The Fascinating Widow. He even had a theater named after him, which is now, if you live in New York City, the AMC Empire in Ooh, Times Square. Wow. Yeah. My that, favorite place to get bed bugs. <laughs> that was the Julian Eltinge Theater. And, uh, you know, he lived a long life. He once uh, said, I, I'm not gay, I just like pearls. There so, you go. You know, that's, and I, so I think it is an interesting, exactly what you were just saying, um, that really until censors came along, we're like, this is perverse. Immoral, whatever. Yeah, it was not seen really as anything sort of as that. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right with the whole, it was so unsexual. It was played for comedy, um, and, and seeing a man in female dress was just hilarious. Also, I read about, um, you know, in Harlem, once the Jewel Box review got super popular, the whole gag was you would go to the review and you were supposed to figure out which one of the dancers was an, was a female. Everyone else was in drag. And the gag at the end was that actually all of the women presenter, presenting dancers were men and that the host was actually a, the woman in yeah. male drag. And the host famously was uh, Stormy DeLarby. Mm. I believe I'm saying that name right. If I'm not, please correct me. I'm terrible with last names. Uh, but she became, she was a butch lesbian who essentially became one of the most preeminent drag kings, though prior to that being in the nomenclature um, of all time. And she was both very handsome and incredibly beautiful. Yeah, it's very, very handsome. Yeah. Somebody told me that I couldn't do it and that I, I would completely ruin my reputation and that people didn't have enough problems being black. I said, I didn't have any problem with it. Everybody else did. She made a very handsome man. <laughs> it worked for her. In the 50s um, is where we see um, Ed Wood and Glenn or Glenda, which we talked about um, briefly during our Tim Burton episode. Absolutely. Um, this was maybe like a, a sputtering of, you know, bigger things to come. Ed Wood, it's hard because he clearly was doing drag in the film, but a lot of people will say that he probably just had a kink for right. wearing women's clothing, and it wasn't about gender expression. But it isn't until 1959, in some like it hot, when you get like the big Hollywood treatment for the first time of uh, of drag on film, and it's kind of like the classic story. And we see this 
story happens so many times oh, where uh, friends see a bad thing happen and need to go undercover and decide to cross dress. Um, and so this is unless n- you're whoopy, then you nun dress. Right. Th- exactly. <laughs> um, Ooh, MTV's nun dressed. Honestly, I'd watch. I'd watch. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. So I, did you see Connie and Carla? I had already I seen did. it. I did. I had not seen it. I've, I, I didn't rewatch it, but I have seen it. And I was like, this is exactly some like it hot, but like oh. made in 2004. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they see a crime happen. They need to go undercover. Yeah. Um, but in, I mean, they're both performers in yeah. movies, but, um, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically like 90% a remake of some like it hot. Yeah. Um, some like it hot. It's very funny. I fucking love some like it hot. One of the best ones of all time. But I think it's really wilder. What? <laughs> what I think is super interesting is that. At the end is the only portion where you get, like, kind of actual sexual perversion. Right. Um, and I say that in the most, like... Yeah, you used air quotes. I used air quotes because it's... I mean, it's not what really... What was that, Louis? Wow. <laughs> well, guess what, Mimi? We did. <laughs> At the end of the movie, uh, Jack Lemon right, takes off his wig. Yes. Because any... It- but essentially, he's he's trapped on a boat with a character that wants to take him home to be his bride, and he's like giving all these reasons he can't get married. In the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. Well, I have a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Oh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. And the movie ends, and I was like, oh my god, like, in this movie, they're letting us know that this man is, like, ready to go have a male bride. Yeah, yeah. And this is 1959. Yeah. And this movie was huge. Um, A huge success. In 1960, we saw Psycho, which, I mean, we talked about this in the, uh, the LGBT on film or in cinema. Um, episode where we go through a phase where people who are cross-dressers are usually deranged yeah, or villains. Yeah. And so we get a lot of those movies. Uh, what, what was that movie about? Like something in the Basic, bean, freebie in the bean, freebie in the bean, which where, like, contains a cross-dressing killer, which yeah. spoiler alert, sorry, but also don't watch that. That's movie. a horrible movie. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's kind of what we're getting in the sixties. It wasn't until, I mean, in 1968 I, until the queen is when we get the queen, which is, I mean, you can find this on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's, Though, I will admit, um, if you are living in a major metropolitan city at the moment, uh, it has just been restored. It is playing all, like, within the next couple weeks. Yep. Um, I'm going this weekend to see it again. You guys should go see it. I mean, the YouTube version is very poor quality. Yeah. Um, also, it's so short. It's yeah. not a long movie, um, but it is incredible. You mentioned I didn't hadn't watched it for the um, LGBT episode. I watched it for this episode, and it's just as good as everyone says it is. Absolutely. And also, sidebar for you Drag Race fans, um, if you haven't seen it, uh, Aja plays Crystal LeBeja yeah. during the Snatch Game. Snatch Game during All Stars Three. Yep. And. Uh, and they cut most of it out. You can find like a super cut of some of the stuff they cut out on YouTube. It's dead on. Yeah. And I'm beautiful and I don't need nobody to tell me I'm beautiful, darling. Rue West, Sabrina, I will soothe the bitch, darling. <laughs> some fun facts about me are that I will walk off if I lose. I don't give a damn what anybody thinks about me. And Harlow should never have won the pageant. You know she didn't deserve it. All of them, the judges I knew it too. But she was terrible. No and her deserved. explanation for why she wanted the money. To put it in the bank. 
she's not getting any money because Sabrina is not going to pay her. They're good friends. It's only publicity and it's bad publicity. What's wild about this movie is if you keep, if you've watched Paris is Burning, um, or even like live in New York or follow drag queens, um, the House of La Beja still exists. Yeah. And so it's, it's literally like seeing the beginning of this history that is so, um, profound and, um, I don't know, luxurious. And it's, it's, it's really incredible to watch. Um, so highly recommend the queen. Um, in the seventies, we get none other than Mr. John Waters yeah. doing his filthy shit. Um, I watched Pink Flamingos for the first time. Have you never seen Pink Flamingos? Holy Have you shit. lived until now? It, I will tell you what. Pink Flamingos is not a safe for work movie. No, no, it is not. Um, I don't know what it was. Um, there's fully a portion where a man lying on his back and like is this full gaping butthole. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it's just, I don't know what the purpose was really, but so Pink Flamingos is showcases, uh, Divine, who we'll see more and more in the seventies with, um, these movies. We see her in Hairspray. Right. Divine is arguably the most famous drag queen of all time, but throughout a vast majority of his life, he, um, ref- he, he hated the, the, to be called a drag queen. Wow. He liked to be called a character actor. And he didn't, and in the stipulation of him being a character actor was that he could play both male and female roles. Like I said, I was screaming at people, I'm not a transvestite, I'm not a drag queen, I'm a character actor. I never set out in the beginning beginning of my career just to play female roles. But um, fortunately, or unfortunately for me, they were the only things that were offered to me, and they were uh, the leads of the movies. So you don't go around turning down parts that are the, the leads or that are written for you if, if you're a young actor. Um, I had no idea, though, that they would be such strong characters that people thought that was all I could do. I don't think it's insulting to call him a drag queen. I don't know if there's any other better description for the the art form that he did, but I do think it's interesting that he sort of rejected. Part of it was is he didn't like the idea that he would be pigeonholed to right. only play drag. A drag, right? And uh, you know, I understand that. Well, in all these movies, Divine plays himself in Pink Flamingo, mm-hmm. um, and they don't say like this is Divine, a drag queen. It's just right. this is the person Divine, right. and we see her in. Um, Hairspray yeah. playing the mom character. And uh, a polyester, which I think is probably Divine's best role. I rewatched polyester. I hadn't seen polyester in years, and I was just like, oh, fuck. Divine's so good in this movie. And I know what this reviewer was doing, but there was a very famous review. I think it was the Washington Post when the movie came out. Um, they were trying to take another actor down a peg by doing this, but they said at this point in his career, Divine is basically indistinguishable from Liz Taylor. Well, and I think that's such a compliment. That is a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Divine. Divine. Um, in 1975, we get Rocky Horror Picture Show, which uh, becomes a huge cult you know, classic, uh, and you get all flavors yeah. of drag. I think, uh, if we're, if we are, um, defining drag as gender performance, um, no matter which way the wind blows on that, you know, um, it's funny online on a lot of people, a lot of people say it's like cross dressing, like that's not your gender. Right. But I, I think even like in Connie and Carla, we see these two bio women doing drag. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and yeah, there are a lot of women who do drag. Um, and, uh, it's funny. I, uh, I kept running across this very old phrase called thematic. Huh. Thematic. That's cute. Yeah. Thematic. Weird though. In a um, way. The early eighties is, 
Pre- Before we get out of the seventies, real quick, okay. uh, just so I just so I get this in here because I think it'd be oh wait, not outrageous, good. outrageous. I absolutely. saw outrageous. Yeah, we have a vinyl of outrageous. Over no way. Here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, starring Craig Russell. It's a uh, Canadian film. Yes. Um, he plays uh, a drag artist. And what's cool about seeing this movie is I think it's really honest to the drag scene at the time. Yeah. Because drag during the seventies was not a like thought well upon. Um, uh, art form. And, right. you know, I, I think a lot of gay men wanted to move to- more towards the accept us yep. sort of, you know, so they would dress, you know, preppy or butch, whatever we want to describe it. And Outrageous is about a man who, like, is femme, can't do anything about it, yep. but is also an amazing vocal mimic. Yeah. And he can do Judy Garland. He can do... Um, Anyone on Snatch Game, he's got. Yeah, pretty much. And he does this amazing medley at the end of the movie. Recently, I attended a cattle call audition in New York City, and um, they were auditioning girls, you see, to find out who'd be my replacement as Lola Lee. Well, some of the greatest people showed up, and my favorite of all was Marlene D-Track. Are just is really cool and also shows a working drag queen, like a working person who and I just love seeing movies where it's like this person goes home, is out of drag. Has a sister yes. he's taking care of, you yeah. know, has a, a job and is trying to, uh, he has dreams though. And it's basically about a guy in Toronto who's a drag artist, moves to New York. And I think we'll get to this when we get to the 90s. That is definitely one of my negative things about most drag queens in movies is that they, if the movie is about drag as though it's their job or art form, they stay in drag. All the time. 100% of the time. Yeah. Drag is fucking painful. Ask yeah. any drag queen yeah. you meet. It is like high heels. Of course, it's it's not easy being a woman, right? So I don't. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, we talked about this in when I talk about Sweet November. Yeah, those drag queens who are just casually sitting at dinner with their friends in drag. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, unless you like to, so then fine. Yeah. Um, you know that's different. Yeah, that's different. Um, so we get to the early '80s, and we have a lot of stuff going on. Tootsie comes out in '82. Um. I think the movie is very whatever. I don't find What's-His-Face as charming as people do. Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. I also don't think it's... Great. I don't get it. I think it's a little dated. Yeah. Um, But, so there's that. But, yeah. I mean, all to say, the movie was hugely successful. Oh, absolutely. And opened a lot of doors for... I mean, Dustin Hoffman, whatever the fuck we think, right. was huge. And it was a manly man, masculine. And, like, to see him doing the full get-up... Right. Um, has, I think, a lot of people now, actors, will say, like... Uh, uh, you know, oh, well, if Dustin Hoffman can be in drag and people don't, like, shit on him for being, like, quote-unquote, like, femme right. or gay or whatever, why not, you know? On the... I'm gonna I'm gonna do the mixed reviews thing on Uh-oh. you. On the flip side of that, I think it does lead to a sort of rash of straight actors oh, yeah. playing drag queens in movies or doing drag in movies. And unfortunately, oftentimes... I mean, usually it only lasts for a little bit, but it's the underlying, the joke is, isn't it funny to put a man in a dress? Absolutely. Two things. It says women can't be funny. And it says that the act of femininity in itself is inherently funny. Is inherently funny. 
and something to be laughed at. Well, and seeing a man lower himself. Yes. To, like, playing a woman is funny. So I will say there are some drawbacks to Tootsie, and I think maybe that's, I mean, besides the fact that, once again, I also just don't think Dustin Hoffman's as, as charming as other people do, um, I I think that's part of that as well. And, we, and as we go forward in time, we'll see that a lot. Yeah. Whether, whether, like, Mrs. Doubtfire is a part of that, um, you know, uh, all of Eddie Murphy's things that he does is oh, a yeah. part of that, um, Medea, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, that same year, we also get Victor Victoria, where we get the lovely Julie Andrews. Ugh, just yeah. high glamour. Yeah. Like, never looked better. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, I, ugh. I have a thing for women dressed as men anyways, mm. and like, mm. yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and, and Victor Victoria is very good. I, yeah, absolutely. I, well, Blake, so her husband, Blake Edwards, directed it, and no one, no one, quote me on it, can set up a comedy shot, like a like a vast-going comedy shot like Blake Edwards. I won't get into it now, but if you ever DM me, yeah, I will tell yeah. you about my favorite scene in that movie. Okay, cool. Um, in 83, we get Yentl, which yep. is Barbara um, doing her little Jewish man drag. Yes. Um she just wants to study the Talmud. Yeah, she. <laughs> like, <laughs> that movie is such high camp. Like, sing, her singing that song, "Piece of the Sky," whatever the fuck it's called. Is the movie good? I don't know, but like, <laughs> it's it's in it's, it makes me laugh though, and yeah. it's funny. And like, um, who's the young Mandy Patinkin? Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. God, I've heard bad things about him, but like, he looked great back I in the eighties. In 1985, there's a movie called Just One of the Guys. Um, <laughs> that movie is, um. It's almost, it's like 80s teen movie yes. starring 30-year-olds, right? Yep. Um, but they're teens. And Tootsie had hooked up. Right. But they were and like... A, and, a, and a little bit of, I know this is later, but a little bit of Never Been Kissed. Y- yes. Um, a sprinkle of that. Um, and it's, I mean, it's essentially girl wants to be a journalist thinks people are being mean to her because she's a girl, decides to become a boy, and she decides... And this movie's in Psycho. Like, yeah. She goes just, undercover in drag as a boy. As a boy, with the help of her um, younger brother. Sometimes you gotta get inside. Dig a little. Let some air in. Move things around. Yeah, well, maybe my balls don't itch. All balls itch. It's a fact. And this movie, I, I watched it and I was like, the, the corny music is there, the hair, everything about this movie is like 80s, 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 80s. There are, this movie, though, um, lives and dies by like, well, we got to see your tits. So this movie holds a special place in the Gavin Hall fame as okay. being the first time I ever saw breasts on a, wow. in a movie. I will say they look great. Oh, yeah. And the boobs are just like perfectly. Yeah. And she's wearing a suit as well. Oh, my God. There's yeah. so many things. Gavin. Is, oh, my yeah, God. Exactly. This is your I'm, buy. I'm like having a breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> like, your origin story yeah. is just one of the guys. Exactly. There's even like a song specially wrote for the movie called Just One of the Guys. Like, it's <laughs> insane. What's wild is that she looks so fucking hot as a guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a girl, her hair is insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, bitch, this is chic as fuck. Like, yeah. Come to 2019 looking like this, and you would be exactly. right in. Um, the movie is kind of hot garbage, yeah. but it's a funny relic. It, 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 it's it's definitely of its time. It's of its time, and what we mean is offensive. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and that's in 85. Yes. Um, in 88, we get Torch Song Trilogy. Yes. Which um, was the movie make of... Uh, Harvey Firestein's play. Yes. Essentially three short one-act play. Not short. Three one-act plays. They're long. Yeah. That they eventually put together as one play. I think it ended up being a four-hour play. Yeah. Um, and then the movie version is a trimmed-down version, which Harvey Firestein got to do himself. Yep. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a shortened version and it's about a man named Arnold who is a drag queen for his profession. And it's sort of like his, the loves and losses in in his life. Is this the first like modern movie that we see of an actual working drag queen and they're like day to day? I can't think of another movie that all these other movies before then are either like playing for jokes or like, um, you know, doing it out of like selfish reasons, like, you know. Yin Yen told Barbara wants to learn, so she right. does drag. Um, and Victor Victoria, it's she needs a job, so yeah. she pretends to be a man who pretends to be a woman. Like, this is the first time you see, like, Arnold wants to be a drag queen. That is yeah. his profession. Yeah. This is, and also, maybe it's just like, this is the first time we see a modern gay man right. who... Uh, because even in Outrageous, it's not necessarily about the sexuality. Right. Yeah, and I mean... It, this out- is. I mean, Outrageous, I would say, like, open the door. Yes. And... I and think Torch Song threw it open. Th- yeah, Torch Song. I mean, because this is the first time you see, you see him like trying to find love. Matthew Brod, a young Matthew Broderick, is in yeah. this. Um, it's and he's so good in it. Yeah, um, gotta say, I've seen. I saw the stage version they did yes. last year. So last year they brought it back to Broadway, and what they did is um, they let Harvey Firestein go at it one more time to trim it down. Yeah. Um, and I think Michael Yuri started. It. Michael Yuri started. It. I think it's two and a half hours um, yeah. in this version. It's just called Torch Song now. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, we had conflicting opinions on it because I didn't love. It. I thought Michael Yuri was amazing. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I thought the the trimming of it cut out some of the heart of it because it removed too much of some of the stuff in the middle. If you watch this movie and I recommend it, it will make you cry. Yeah, I think my biggest problem is being young and beautiful. It's my biggest problem because I've never been young and beautiful. Oh, I've been beautiful. God knows I've been young, but never the twain have met. Not says anyone would notice anyway. You know, a shrink acquaintance of mine believes this to be the root of my attraction to a class of men most subtly described as old and ugly. I think he's underestimating my wheedles. See, an ugly person who goes after a pretty person gets nothing but trouble. But a pretty person who goes after an ugly person gets at least camp fare. If you can find this movie, you should see it. It very much feels like an artifact. Yeah. of um, the start of our generation yeah. of gays and drag. Um, you know... Uh, it's wonderful, though. It, it really is. is. And, um, yeah, I think it, it's like almost a required watching for the modern-day homosexual. Absolutely. So that's 88. We also get Hairspray in 1988. Um, the original. Yes. With Divine. Divine plays uh, Edna Turnblatt. And yes. it is a full... It is once again. It's a drag performance, but she is not playing a drag queen in the film. She nope. is playing a woman. Yep. And so I think I don't know. It's it's interesting because I feel like, you know, outside of like, I feel like that's one of the first time in film that you really get that, and your brain sort of has to do the translating for you. Yeah. And I mean, this is so. Um, the movie becomes such a huge cult success. It becomes a musical. Where Harvey Firestein played, yes, um, Edna, and then the the remake, which was like two thousand seven, maybe, yeah, um, when John Travolta continues the tradition of a man in drag performing yeah. the mom character, 
um, which I think is just such a cool like thing about this show. You know, the spirit of it is about transgression and uprising and just having this person in drag kind of um, drives that home. To kick off the 90s, we get Paris is Burning. Yes. Um, which we talked about in our last um, queer episode. Uh, and just, again, a seminal... You know, I think I talked about this, how watching that movie is so exciting. There's, like, such, like, raw energy to it. But also it makes me very sad. Um, yeah. Because these um, performers, these trans women... Um, these drag queens, they had dreams and they wanted to make it. And we know in the end, like, that they didn't make it. Right. But at the very least, we know that their spirit and the, their culture, like, exactly. has become such a touchstone for American everything. And their, and their legacy lives on. I mean, whether it's, you know, anytime you hear someone say the word shade. Yeah. Tea. Work. All, work. All this nomenclature is out there. On top of that, we currently have a TV show on FX called Pose that is based on this scene. Yeah. And most of the people, barring Ryan Murphy, behind the camera and behind the scenes are powerful trans people. Of color. Of color. It's it's, it's a very exciting time. Yep. Um, I'm not a Ryan Murphy fan, as you could have guessed from me giving that little bit of shade. shade. But uh, I really recommend the show. Yeah. I really do like the show. Um, that movie is iconic, and yeah. every, I mean, again, talk about required watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, from for the queer cinema episode, I picked the documentaries. I'm not going to do that this time. But honestly, like, uh, you know, the Queen, Paris is Burning, um, Portrait of Jason, and How to Survive a Plague. Oh, still, God. which I know is not about drag, but it's still always worth a mention. Yeah, yeah. Um, in '91, you re- you told me that I had to watch this. Yeah. In '91, we get Vegas in space. We get Vegas in space, and Sasha Velour's oh, favorite film. Holy shit! Yeah. This movie is excellent. Yeah. This is excellent filmmaking. Um, I love it. If it's funny, so um. If you guys, if, if, if you guys out there are, um, Drag Race fans, if you go back to season three, remember there's a challenge, uh, called, um, Drag, Drag Queens, Queens in Space, Space uh, Booberella, yeah. um, and it's full on, um, Barbarella spoof, yeah. um, Vegas in Space is literally that. It's an actual movie yeah. that is that. Yeah. And, and it is cheap and it is fun and it was financed the um main queen in it unfortunately has passed away doris fish doris fish she financed it herself and she financed it through fucking sex work so she, good for her she financed it herself but she like made everything there are yeah. elaborate incredible sets yeah that she made herself she did all the hair herself all the yeah. costumes herself but the entire movie are people in drag including yeah. women in drag um bio queens if you will um, all I, the, the movie is bonkers, and I didn't think I was gonna love it as much as I did. I mean, I it's it's the 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 most pure sense of B movie, um, but it's yeah, so fucking funny. And I'll just reverse my name. Goodbye, Captain Dan Tracy. Hello, Miss Captain Tracy Daniels. <gasps> Will there be danger, Captain? Will we be safe? Is life safe, Sheila? It's just so pure. It's you know so it pure. Came from these queens' hearts, like yeah, absolutely. And yeah. the cast is in- insane because there's the main queens, but they populate it with a lot of other queens. Like yeah, they pop in and out. And I was like, oh my god, Doris gathered all the girls she knew. Yeah, and um, made a very entertaining, very funny fucking movie. So once again, Vegas in space. Vegas in space. Yeah. Uh, and you can get it on Amazon Prime. Pay for it, bitches. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
1983, we have arrived to Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, huge movie. Big. Huge. Huge. Harvey Firestein's in this movie also. I just realized yeah. he's the one that helps. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to say about Mrs. Doubtfire. Except everyone's seen it. Everybody of a certain age. You know, it's not the only drag queen movie Robin Williams did, which is kind of nice. R.I.P. Robin Williams, obviously. Obviously. Like, but, um, you know, between that, the birdcage, his cameo, and his, like, uncredit cameo in Tu Wong Fu, which I always forget about. Wait, who's he in Tu Wong Fu? He, he like, hooks he, them up. For yeah, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's like, the go-between. Right. Um, uh, his name is John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name is my name, too. Yeah. It's so funny to think about. So, Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy are both extremely right. talented comedians. But one of them is, only one of them is super homophobic. Right. And that's Eddie Murphy. And that's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And as we go through this episode, I think we'll talk about, especially in our one-star reviews, Robin Williams used drag he, to make us laugh. Yeah. But he was never degrading to women. Right. The jokes were never about, isn't it funny that I'm in a dress? Right. It was about characterization, the right. character I'm, I am. Whereas Eddie Murphy, when you think about Norbit um, or any of the characters from... The Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor. Yeah. Like, a lot of times in that realm, it becomes looking down on women. Yeah. Um, and, and to an extent, also Tyler Perry. You know, it's... It, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean... Um, first of all, Martin Lawrence does the same thing with Big Mama's house. Yes. And the jokes are about the fact that, you know, being, being a woman is somewhat lower than being a man. Yeah. But, um, and a, and a, and a, and a plus size woman, you know? Like, yeah. It's absolutely, it's all about making, I mean, it, I, I was reading about this online earlier today and this might be a digression, but there's a, there's a, the um, idea that goes all the way back to the medieval times that, um, not the restaurant, the actual medieval times, mm. um, that being, um, in any way misshapen, fat, uh, ugly, old, um, is a sign of sin that you're yeah. wearing your sins yeah. outwardly. Yeah. Um, and it's such, it's like such a puritanical, like, get over it, guys. Like, and it's funny because in Mrs. Doubtfire, she's a big woman. Like, right. they pad her to the gods. Right. Um, but they never make jokes about her being fat. Robin Williams' performance through, like, he brings her to life. Yeah. You know, um, I just think it's really funny and interesting to look at both ways because I think, and I'm sure there are other movies that we've missed that you can be successful in being a straight man. Clearly, we, I mean, some like it hot. Right. Where you're a straight man doing drag and it is funny because you are creating characters that are good and, you know, you're not making fun of women and like, women are so crazy and emotional. Right. And they just want to cry all the time or they're so fat. Like, at which a lot of lazier, I think, um, right comedies fall back on um i digress so the early 90s much like the early 80s is a great time for dragon film so not only do we get as the before mentioned paris is burning vegas in space mrs doubtfire we get priscilla yes the, event, the, the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert yes which does huge at film festivals yeah and, um and within the same year like with like basically within the same year you get two wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar yeah which in a way are parallel movies one Tu Wong Fu is obviously the much more Hollywood yep. version of Priscilla. But what's interesting is most people are like, these movies are copying each other. There's no time. Yeah. There's no time in between. Tu Wong Fu was in production while... Yeah. Uh, Priscilla was Pris also. While Priscilla was playing festivals. So right. it's just, you know... They're both these road trip movies about drag queans. Um, and what's funny also is in 
Priscilla, you see them in and out of drag. Yes. In Tuang Fu. You literally, except for the beginning of the movie. Except for the beginning. You, you always see them in drag. Yeah. Always, always, always. I do wonder, I have thought, especially upon rewatching it, which, by the way, rewatching both of them, I rewatched them both back to back. So good. And both of them are really good. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you could possibly be, like, hate either of these movies. But um, it is interesting. I do wonder if, because it is a much more Hollywood film... If it's almost a mechanism to make the audience more comfortable with the fact that it it casts, well, at least two known action movie stars as these lead drag queens, being Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes, in in order for you as an audience to accept them as drag queens, you have to leave them in. Right. Well, I think it's also, I remember being a child and watching um, Priscilla and not understanding what I was watching. Yes. I did not get it. Because Priscilla is definitely more adult. Right. And But at the beginning, and this is just like how I grew up, I did not know what drag was. Right. And I thought the only thing that I knew about people getting on stage and performing like in a, quote, sexual way was about stripping. And I thought, are drag queen strippers? I didn't understand. Right. Um, so Tuang Fu obviously is way more Hollywood. You have yeah. huge action stars um, and they're excellent. Um, but I also wonder if, like, maybe Hollywood was like, we should just keep them in that so we don't have to explain this. I mean, Tuang Fu does a lot of work to explain to the audience what it right. is. Wesley Snipes has that moment where he says, <laughs> Child, oh. no, no, no. You would simply put a boy in a dress. When a straight man puts on a dress and gets his sexual kicks, he is a transvestite. When a man is a woman trapped in a man's body and has the little operation, he is a transsexual. I know that. When a gay man has way too much fashion sense for one gender. He is a drag queen. Thank you. And when a tired little Latin boy puts on a dress, he is simply a boy in a dress. And is like really holding the hand of the audience um, to and, let you know what's going on. And for those who, I feel like Tu Wong Fu has garnered this reputation because it is so Hollywood of, of not really being part of the, the drag experience because there is so many Hollywood things. But, like, give it to that opening and closing sequence. I mean, you have fucking RuPaul. You have Lady Bunny. You have Coco Peru. So, yeah, these are two iconic movies. Absolutely. Also necessary viewing. And I, but I, one of the things that I think elevates Priscilla is the fact that it is more adult and the fact that it deals with more things. Terrence Stamp plays a trans woman in it. Yes. Um, the, uh. Instead of telling you, it shows you. These are, these are, these girls are all sisters, but they, are living different experiences. Absolutely. Uh, Guy Pierce is a much younger queen who has a bit more of a tragic past. And Hugo Weaving, what I love about him is the movie goes out of its way to be like, he does not consider himself fully gay. Yeah. But he also does not consider himself bi. He's had relationships with women. He has a son. And his life is more complicated. Yeah. And they all have complex things going on in their life. Yeah. Um, Priscilla is the last movie that was not a period piece movie that won an Oscar for Best Costumes. To this date. Can you believe? Yeah. Every movie since then is always like some period yeah, drama exactly. nonsense. Um, so there's that. Uh, in 1996, we get The Birdcage, like you mentioned before. Iconic movie. Um, with uh, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane, who is a drag performer, which is a remake of La Caja Falls. Yes. Which we didn't mention, but... No, we didn't mention, but is a very wonderful French movie, and actually, probably, uh, depending on what it's very funny. I don't want to say one's funnier than the other, but La Caja Falls is kind of 
funnier than they... But anyways. In 1999, we get Flawless. Yes. Which, um, I don't know. I met Jackie B and she was like, I I was in a movie with Robert De Niro and look at me now. And then, and she's like, yeah, exactly. Look at me now. <laughs> Which I think speaks more to Flawless, the movie. Yeah. In 2001, we get Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. Um, Real quick, before we could, because I really want you to keep that excitement up for Hedwig. Okay. Um, in 2000 comes uh, Charles Bush's first movie adaptation. Uh, I need to put this plug in because Charles Bush is one of the preeminent uh, drag playwrights. Okay, cool. Uh, he got his fame started uh, when he wrote uh, the play Vampires, Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. Ugh. And uh, he got his first film made in 2000, Psycho Beach Party, which is a spoof of... Oh my god, yes, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, it's a spoof of like 60s horror movies and beach films. Um, and, you know, she, Charles Bush is in it, in drag, and she's amazing. The great Kanaka. Leader of the pack. Long time no see. Still following the sun. Still walking the straight and narrow-minded. Still intend to knock down this fire trap you call a bachelor pad. Come by with those handcuffs and we'll burn it down together. She also did a movie in 2003 called Die, Mommy, Die. That's a send-up of the old, quote-unquote, women's pictures. Uh, it's very Joan Crawford, the role that she's that he's playing. Um, but I, I got to see Charles Bush at DragCon this past year. Oh, wow. Um, I got to see him at a panel. And then after the panel, we were, my roommate and I, Andrea, friend and roommate, she hates when I call her my roommate. My friend and roommate, Andrea, were just wandering around DragCon and Charles Bush was coming our way. And I literally was like, Charles Bush! Um, <laughs> and it was like, he stopped and took a picture of me. And he's like, yeah, I'll take a picture with you if you can point me in the direction of that. I was, cool. so we took a picture together and I, I love, Charles Bush. I don't know if there's anybody else out there quite like him. And he is a fabulous grand dame of a woman. Uh, Love so, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then in 2001. Another grand dame of a woman. Yeah. We get Hedwig. John Cameron Mitchell, who was known at the time for doing, you know, underground um, theater. Underground theater, but also Broadway. Because yeah, he was yeah. in The Secret Garden oh, at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the original cast. Um Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which also has gone on to, was a cult thing, yeah. was made into a Broadway thing starring Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, absolutely. Start, started off Broadway, started off off Broadway yeah. at drag clubs. Yep. Um, and then moved to Broadway, you know, originally had a bunch of cover songs instead of original songs. Yeah. Uh, the music of this movie is yeah. insane. Got, he got to, you know, Stephen Trask wrote all the music because I got to give him credit because he's amazing as well. Um, they um they got to make it into a movie in 2001 since come back to broadway yeah and it's uh, i was in san francisco when i found this movie i was dating a guy and he was like you've never seen hedwig sat me down in front of the tv made me watch it and i was like holy fuck um and this movie is not necessarily about a drag queen it is though and i will say i will say this john cameron mitchell has gone out of his way to say that Hedwig is more about a drag queen than it is about a trans individual okay. because Hedwig herself was never questioning her sexual identity, was forced into a sex change operation. Hedwig is about, about an East German singer retelling the story of her life, including the botched sex change operation that left her with an angry inch. Right. And she was a boy who didn't really want a sex change right. or, or had no problems with gender or sexuality. It's more about a a person who is living right. a, a drag lifestyle because they don't have a choice. Right. And we also do get 
the Yitzhak, Yitzhak role. Yeah. Who is a former drag queen. Yeah. And what's great about that is, um, always in the movie, it's Miriam Shore. Oh, um, excellent performer, oh, Miriam Shore. Absolutely. Holy shit. Uh, she, she started out off Broadway as well with the show. She originated the role. Um, she is a woman playing a man who is a former drag queen that Hedwig will not let dress in drag because no one can be more beautiful than him. And it only gets better from there, folks. Yeah, it's very complicated. You must watch. Um, yeah, and then we kind of are up to, like, you know, today's time. One movie that I uh, saw a while ago, but A Bad Education um, by Almodovar um, with um, Gael Garcia Bernal. So hot. Uh, I know. Hotter than this room we're in right now. And it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got Kinky Boots, which I don't know, think a lot of people know that was a movie first. Yeah. I think most people think it only as the Broadway show, yeah. the Broadway musical. It, it started off as a movie starring, um, she would tell Ejiofor. Correct. Um, and he's a great drag queen. Burgundy. Please, God, tell me I have not inspired something Burgundy. Red! Red! Charlie boy! Rule one! Red! It's the color of sex! Burgundy is the color of hot water bottles! Red! It's the color of sex! And fear! And danger! And signs that say do not enter! I also have to bring up She's the Man. Holy shit, Amanda Bynes is so good. Who knew I needed the Mrs. Doubtfire starring Amanda Bynes? She's the Man is a Shakespeare adaptation Twelfth of Night. Twelfth Night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it makes sense, and it's excellent. Um, beyond that, you know, we get Pageant in 2008, which I think is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I rewatched it again for this. I had never seen it before. The beginning of Pageant, which is about the... It's a documentary about the American drag pageant system. The beginning of this movie starts with a quote, or not a quote, just like a disclaimer. In the drag pageant system, illusion is everything. Illusion is key. Yeah. Um, any um, body modifications is strictly forbidden. Yes. And I think that's very telling right. about the pageant system of that time. Yeah. If I might be incorrect, but I think I've read and heard that Currently, yes, things have changed. Starting to change. Yeah. Like, that's the key part. Yeah. Starting to change. Well, more and more it's pageants. It's 2019. Yeah. More and more pageants are now allowing, you know, trans women. Right. And, uh, you know, drag is ever evolving. Um, especially in, in the sense of... But, it, but it's so crazy that the pageant system created this um, box to, to put drag queens in. When a lot, uh, and you'll hear this, Lady Bunny talks about this. We, we didn't mention Wigstock the movie, which comes out in 95. Wigstock started in the late 80s. Uh, Lady Bunny created it. It's a big performance festival. Lots of drag queens, lots of wigs. There's a documentary that comes out in 95. RuPaul's briefly in it. She, for some reason, gets to make the cover of the movie. You know, but like, for some reason. For some reason. But like, there's so many other lip syncas in it. Uh, uh, Jackie Beats in it. Um, uh, Lee Bowery's in it. So you get all these amazing, amazing drag performances, uh, in that. But, uh, you know, she talks about the fact that when she got started in drag, almost every drag mother she had was trans. Yeah. So it's interesting that the pageant system is the one that came along and decided to place a box around it and say, say, no, we are excluding trans women and trans people from this competition. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's weird because when you, 
put this movie up against Paris is Burning. Yeah. In Paris is Burning, they talk about realness. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the performance of looking real, no matter what the category is. Whether the category is school time realness, business executive realness. It's all about performing the reality that you will never become or yeah. you never be. Um, and so in pageant, it's all about the illusion and it, which is kind of the same thing. These are men mostly from rural areas in the South or, you know, not urban centers that are giving the illusion that they are women. These, uh, and they, they're performing as, you know, um, the women they look up to, whether it be like grandmother characters or, um, country singer stars yeah um, and trying yeah the yeah. Re- I, I will say they every single person that they highlight in this documentary excellent story yeah um including pork chop from the first season of drag race including pork chop yeah first person to ever get on a drag race by the way yeah um i recommend pageant um it's yeah. It's an interesting look into this. They take it so seriously. Yeah. The people who run this. It's a, a it's, it's a huge fucking deal for so many people. Um, and what's crazy is it's a time capsule, yeah. but it, but it, it's only 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's Truly. the interesting part yeah. to like look back and be like, oh, this was only a decade ago. This feels like such a long time. Yeah. Now we're getting things like Hurricane Bianca, um, Cherry Pop, yeah. which was directed by uh, the guy who does basically all the drag race girls music videos yeah um where we're getting this such an influx of drag race girls that they are you know putting out movies yeah um and that's kind of where we're living right now i can't think of like a super modern uh drag on film but but i do think it's everywhere i mean obviously like it it would almost be a disservice if we didn't mention rupaul's drag race um in in a way in like a contextual way right uh, because we've mentioned it a bunch of times in like a jokey way but, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race starts um, a, about a decade ago, maybe t- closer to 12 years ago at this point. Though it was Logo's big flagship. And now it's so popular, it's only on VH1. Right. And you get people, as we've said, you know, you hear the nomenclature around you here. Shade, tea, But also work. people are spending a lot of money to go see these girls. Right, absolutely. And buy merchandise. and Right. Like, the, the merch is everywhere. You mentioned the, the movies. You know, someone like... Bianca Del Rio is big enough to get her own movie made. They're the next in this month alone. They're having their first pay per view event. So really, it's, yeah, it's a it's a haters roast, and oh. it, it's almost becoming like um, the unfortunate thing is once things start to cross in the mainstream in this household. I don't know how you feel about it, but these later seasons we've started referring to them as uh, professional wrestling for straight women. Wow, um, because that's what it feels like. Well, um, it's it's that whole, I mean, it's eating itself. Yes. you know. Um, which is fine. Whatever. Like, you know, things will change. We didn't mention there's a new documentary called Wig Out. Yes, absolutely. Um, Wig just came out on HBO. It is about the revival of Wig Stop stock, which happened last year just for an anniversary. Yeah. I don't think it's happening again, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. Because it didn't happen this year. Um, but it is the, the return of Lady Bunny, um, and bringing her thing back and, you know, all shade to RuPaul. She even says, you know, we can't afford uh, yeah. RuPaul this year for all the people that make her look like a woman. Um, and uh, <laughs> all shade, all tea. All shade, all tea. And, um, but one of the things I do think is interesting, and I, I implore you actually to watch Wig. I, I thought it was really great and thought it was really fantastically made as well. Um, one of the things I think is interesting is if you look at Wigstock, the movie, which is all up on YouTube, and then you look at Wig, which is on HBO Go, um, it's interesting because. Wigstock the movie comes in 95 and the and the um 
the message seems to be tolerance. Like, we just want people to tolerate us, to acknowledge we're here. And Wig feels more like, no, it's not tolerance, it's equality. Right. Environment that I grew up in, in large clubs, I think we could use a dose of community. When we had a common enemy, like rampant, unchecked discrimination, inability to marry or serve in the military, or AIDS. We did come together because there was an enemy to fight. Now I think we're tending to fight each other more. And I think that if we got in each other's faces, we would say, oh, yeah, you, I get it. The whole idea of Wickstock is that we wanted to be considered freaks because it made, made it feel like we had gotten into some in crowd in New York City. It's not like, fuck you, we're the same. It's right. like, um, fuck you, we can be as loud or different as we want to be. Absolutely. And we still deserve the same thing that you have. Absolutely. Um, Sorry, once again, fireworks. Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> it's me um, beating Gavin. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and uh, so maybe wig is like where we can end naturally for the um, the history of drag on film. I'm sure we missed a bunch of movies in there. Absolutely. There but are... one of the things about doing a genre dissection is we're not going to hit everything. Yeah. All these drag cultures are so specific and small and, uh, to, and, and regional. There, and there's so many different versions of drag. I yep. mean, we, we brought up Drag Race, which is its own very narrow description of drag. Yep. Um, I mean, you can find the Boulet Brothers show, Dragula, you, uh, uh, Mastragas on YouTube, which I don't think has any English subtitles, unfortunately, but it's a drag show competition from Mexico. Amazing. Um, there's a currently going to be a Drag Race Canada coming yep. out. Drag, drag Race Drag Thailand, Thailand yep. which is so much fun. Um, but also the episodes are way too long. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, the, uh, so I mean, it's sort of everywhere. Alyssa Edwards got her own show on Netflix, Dancing Queen, which I don't know has been renewed or not, but yeah, I, I think this, we, 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 we covered all of our bases. Hopefully, you Absolutely. know, we, have from Divine to Bianca Del Rio and everyone from, in between. From Julian Eltinge to Charles Bush. Yes. From big time Hollywood, you know, down to Doris Fish and, yeah. you know, uh, making things that she loves for her community. Um, it really is just like a huge pantheon that uh, is on it. Again, watching these movies was so much fun. Yeah. Even the shit, I have to say, even the bad movies, it's kind of exciting and thrilling to see you know uh, once, once again it's i mean in a way it's sort of what i was just saying about making your own space like yeah. it's it's nice to see people making their own space yeah and like and and, it, and and feeling part of it and what's wild is like we're not even like we're drag enthusiasts right but we're not doing drag we're not trans right. people and but it's just like so exhilarating and exciting to see um these brave people putting their art out um, and making their space. So, um, I think this is a great time for us to get into our reviews. Excellent. So, uh, why don't we beat the dead horse first and go to our one star reviews? Excellent. Love that. Okay. I didn't bring this up in the, um, rewind, uh, mostly because I just don't want to fucking talk about this movie too much. But my one star review goes to 2011's Jack and Jill. Um, and this movie... I fucking forgot about Jack and Jill, so good on you. I... Well, so here's the thing. I was... I had to eventually go hunting for a one-star review. Um, 
And this one is fit the fucking bill. Um, if you, if you forgot, which I think most people should, um, Jack and Jill is an Adam Sandler vehicle, um, from his Happy Madison production studios, which is just pumping out trash, trash, trash. Um, came out in 2011 and it's a supposed comedy, um, where Adam Sandler plays the titular Jack and Jill. Um, they are twins. The movie, the premise is like on like the movie is bookended by like these interviews with twins. And isn't it so crazy how like twins like sometimes have their own language and like are the same, but like so different. Look, whatever. Um, Katie Holmes plays Jack's wife, which feels disrespectful, honestly. Um, Al Pacino is in this movie playing himself. I can't even, I'm like on the Wikipedia page right now and I can't even scroll without saying that this movie made $150 million. Cool. I'll just, um, I'm going to go kill myself. Let's like fucking yeah, cancel this podcast yeah, exactly. and leave. Um, it cost 80 million to make. So they made money on this movie made money. We can die now. <laughs> um, it was directed by Dennis Dugan. Um, the movie is basically Jack is, um, an advertising character dude, um, who has a lot of money. And wants to get Al Pacino to make a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. He has a very annoying sister, twin sister named Jill, who lives at home with um, their mother. The mother has died. Jill comes for the holidays. And it's all just about like the antics and like how Jill is so annoying. Jill, I mean, I hate the thing, especially in these movies, um, like the Happy Madison movies, where it's like a personality includes uh, just being like an awful human being. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to have empathy for them because... If you were just like chill out, you wouldn't be so annoyed by this. Right. And it's like, no, Jill is a bad person. <laughs> She's, I would be horrified too if my like sister came to dinner and was like, why aren't you sitting next to me? What we will, right. and, 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 and you're twins and it's your birthday and they bring out one cake and then the twin complains, where's my cake? There's only one cake. That's not normal. Right. And that's not. I mean, it's also not a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> like, a lot of the movie is also joking about how Jill is so big, um, not in a fat way, but just like because it's Adam Sandler. Um, and she's so broad shouldered and manly. If you ever want to see a movie or something. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just hold the thought. I have. I, I have to go. I have to. What did I say? Oh no, it's not you. What? It's the Jimmy Chungus. Oh, they're making a run for the border. Oh, you're throwing Jimmy Chungus bombs? <laughs> She's not talking to us still, I guess. I am not talking to you! I am talking to Aaron! Aaron and I are gonna go make some chocolate squirties! Oh, God! Oh, hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Oh, All the jokes about Adam Sandler being in, in drag as Jill are just about, you know, it's funny how this man is in a dress. Yeah. It's funny how, you know... She, she's so big and right. she's clumsy because and in the in the same breath usually that it is like it's funny that a man would lower himself to be like a woman the joke of a woman having traits like a man makes her lower as yeah. well yeah because exactly. a masculine woman is also something terrifying to men i know what this movie is trying to make me do it's trying to make me feel that jill is annoying right it absolutely 
and it's doing that thing where it's like it's intentionally being annoying because it's funny, quote unquote. Right. But in the end, I know it's going to do a bait and switch and tell me that I'm a bad guy for thinking she's annoying. And if right. I had more empathy for them, then I will have change. And so in the movie, in the end, Jack does have this change of heart because he can't believe how mean he's been to his sister because he doesn't, quote, understand her. But it's like, no, she has being genuinely annoying right. and genuinely not a good person. Um, and it's just, it's a super shitty. And so, um, yeah, Jack and Jill 2011 made a bunch of money, so fuck them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I know this movie is not about drag queens, but I think it's a prime example of straight men who miss the mark completely. Yeah. Like, uh, on all, all fronts. Like, someone in Hollywood is like, Adam Sandler's falling. You know what would be funnier? Adam Sandler's dress. Right. Blech. <sighs> go ahead, Kevin. So I'm going to move back, um, not super far, but I'm going to go back to 1999, which is still not a great time for, uh, gays in the media. Right. And I'm going back to the 1999 crime comedy drama film, uh, Flawless. Yes. By, wow. Directed okay. by Joel Schumacher. Okay. Wow. Uh, famed window dresser, Joel Schumacher. Yes. Um, that's not me throwing shade. That's what he did before directing. <laughs> um, I'm very glad we're talking about this movie because um, when I, I didn't know this movie existed and then I saw it, I was like, I, I have a friend and I'm not going to name them because it's a friend I love. Like literally like is basically the brother I never had. Um, who loves this movie and has recommended this movie to me for years. And it's bad. I mean, they're wrong. Yeah. So in this film, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a trans woman who is also a drag queen. Right. Um, who starts giving singing lessons to their neighbor, played by Robert De Niro, who's a conservative cop who has had a debilitating stroke. Yep. And, like, that sounds... Okay, I mm-hmm. guess. Like, the logline of that sounds okay. Okay. Um, also, there's a crime plot. There is a crime plot. Yeah, because a drug dealer has been robbed and is missing their money. Well, I think, like, because the movie, like, lies upon that they are all living in this slum. Yeah. That bad things happen in this slum. Yeah. And so, like, I like, think... Like, De Niro has his stroke trying to defend right. a, a person who... Getting like, robbed, I think? Yeah, he's getting robbed. Which is... The same, I'm pretty sure basically the same people that come after them at the end. Yeah. I, fa- I genuinely found the crime portion of this movie so confusing. Right. It's like, I think they, like, the mafia maybe runs the hotel or it's not yeah. a hotel. It's like it's a, an apartment building right. that's full of crazy and eccentric people, which yeah. is why this trans woman lives there. I found it very hard to empathize with this conservative cop character who suffers the stroke because He's not just conservative. He's not conservative. He's, he's vulgar. Like, he's literally saying the worst things possible to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Can't do this. No, honey, can't. Lives on won't straight. All right. Why don't you try fucking faggot? You know, because you were always pretty good at shouting out across the alley. Fuck the faggot. Prick. Cockfucker. Asshole. Girly man. Republican. Fascist. Fucking faggot. There you go. Yeah, it's open. There you go. If you came here with a belly full of self-pity, you came to the wrong fucking place, all right? I left sensitivity back in the sand pile. Also, I'm aware that the language had not evolved enough at the time. 
But, like, when it is revealed, which is a good halfway into the movie, that Philip Seymour Hoffman is not a man. Right. Is a trans woman. Pre-op. Yeah. It's... I was like, what the fuck? Because even she refers to herself as a he. Right. I think... So the movie... The the, the crime part falls in... I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah. That Philip Seymour Hoffman's character has... Stolen the money, whatever the, yeah. the money, whatever the it money. is. From a drug dealer. Yeah. And is hiding it. And so the drug dealers are looking for said money. And, and she, she wants, wants to use the money to yeah. get her operation done. Yeah. To have, yeah, absolutely. Um, which like is fine on its own. But on top of this, like the, the plot, I didn't think was that good. I thought De Niro was. Very not good. Well, it's almost like, I wonder if they thought this movie was going to be like an Oscar Beatty thing. Right. Because he's doing the most at, I mean, he's full on like, you faggots, you don't, and, and, and cocksucker this, and yeah. cocksucker that. Yeah. And, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman is giving you, you everything. Like, so, well, this, this is the, the main issue with me. Philip Seymour Hoffman's nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award for wow. Best Lead Actor. Wow. I found his performance as this woman so offensive really so mincing about so like not authentic and apparently he studied for months and to me it was like acting school 101 once again he's dead i feel bad beating up a dead guy but it literally was just like oh i'm playing a woman who is in a man's body and is also a drag queen so i'm just i'm gonna list I'm going to hold my hand like this. Yeah. I'm going to say, honey, I'm going to, and it like l- literally was every acting choice you make on the base level. I remember at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, I don't know if he has it. Yeah. As the movie goes on, and obviously I know that's not how movies work, but there are some parts where I could feel him breaking through and I'm like, okay, we found it. There she right. is. There she is. Right. And so it's, it's very wobbly. You're right. It's very wobbly. And I, bet it's because he didn't understand really it's yeah. al- it's almost as if like kind of like the script doesn't understand absolutely what like that who she is yeah i don't think he because for the for a big portion of it it's just like you're a man who does drag right but then there are other portions where it's like oh he's playing a woman right this he's is a trans this is a trans this character a trans character and yeah. so because the movie doesn't know what it's doing i don't think he knew what he was doing um i mean he's obviously a very good actor but I think you're right. I remember I had the same feeling, and uh, people will come for me, when I saw Angels in America starring Andrew Garfield. I cannot. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, you're not the first person I've heard say that. Um, And it's that whole thing. I mean, Andrew Garfield famously said, well, I watched Drag Race episodes. Right, right. And that's, and that's what it felt like. And I will admit, there is some credence to give this movie. It was written by Joel Schumacher himself. He is an out gay man. Um, he's been out for a very long time. He directed the movie Car Wash, which had one of the, like, influential gay characters. He recycles a line from it where Philip Seymour Hoffman says, I am, I'm more man than you'll ever be and more woman than you'll ever get. Very famous line from Car Wash. Yep. Um, it gets recycled here, Joel Schumacher. So, you know, there's, there's that in point. There's that point of view. Um, and the, as you mentioned, Jackie Beats in the movie. There's, yeah. there's other trans and drag performers that are in there. Um, but unfortunately, it all feels hollow. It all feels like shtick. It's a confused movie. It's yeah. an interesting artifact of the time. Yeah. And I think be- because there are all, like, surrounding this, like, convoluted garbage of a plot. Yeah. 
there are all these actual trans and gay and drag queen characters. But I think they were like, how do we make it Hollywood? Much the same way that I don't want to watch a film where a black person has to teach a white person empathy. Yeah. I don't want to watch a film where a queer person has to teach a straight person empathy. And it's wild because, like, the movie, it it, it fully surrounds him, this awful guy, yeah. with these queens who are like, lol, baby, yeah. <laughs> you're so funny and cute. Yeah, exactly. And I just, there and is, there is yeah. no fucking way that any queer person would, like, rub up against this man, like, in life and be like, you know what, we should hang out. It's a very misguided film and, and very much of its time and gross. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't It's like it an either. early permutation of like, but then it's fine. We right. can all get along. Right. So were there any other films that you saw that you perhaps didn't love? I will say Hurricane Bianca. Ugh, God. I watched that and I was like, I know Bianca Del Rio is funny. This isn't though. It's almost like... I, I've seen the first one. I, I didn't see the second one. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one. I haven't seen Cherry Pop. Someone told me that it's very bad. Um, and it's wild because, like, it's almost... you A drag queen, an actor, does not make. You know? Yes. I love... Um, as, you, as much as RuPaul's Drag Race will try and convince you that a drag queen has to, has to be a jack-of-all-trades, has to be able to act, has to be able to sing, has to be able to lip-sync, like... No. That's not true. No, no. Um, I am fine seeing my drag queens lip sync or tell jokes. Um, whatever they are good at entertaining, they know what it is. And that's fine and good. I don't need to see them, like, trying to read scripts and, like, make a movie. So I guess we should take the moment to move into our five-star reviews. Let's get into it. This was hard. This was very hard. There are a lot of things that I love, 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 love. And that I think people should definitely go out and see. But um, the movie that I landed on that I just think has everything um, is 1994's Priscilla from the Desert. Um, I love that it shows drag queens. I love that there is the trans woman in this. I love uh, just in talking about a, a, a visually stunning movie, there are the movie is so tight with the plot that it gives us time to have fucking Guy Pierce on top of their bus and a full stiletto with the big silver. I know. Like, this movie gives time for the queens to breathe, gives times for performances, times for show, show, shows, times for, you know, them showing up to the small town and, uh-oh, things might go south. But then them charming their way through it, and all of a sudden they're all just drinking and having a great time at the bar. I, I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, it is one of those things. As you mentioned, the the scene on top of the bus. You don't expect when you go into this movie about drag queens that you're going to be hearing a cut from La Traviata. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's amazing. My favorite scene to this day is uh, when. It, while their bus is broken down at one point and they, they run across and have original try. Yeah. And one of them, like they, you know, they see he's really into it and yeah. they, and it's, it's, it's interesting because Priscilla definitely incorporates fantasy sequences yep. as the reality, which I love. And so they like, obviously don't show the process of putting him in drag, but he's just suddenly in drag performing with them performing. I will survive. Yeah. And I love that um, Hugo Weaving's character, 
just loves performing so much. Yeah. You know, when they're broken down and the other two are like bitching and moaning, I think um, the trans character has like wandered off to try and get a ride. Yeah, Terrence Stamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrence Stamp, who's excellent. Amazing. You know what's really funny? He talked about uh, doing this movie. Um, he never saw himself in the makeup. Right. And so he performed the movie as though he was beautiful. And the director was gave the makeup artist the directive to make this character her as ugly as possible. Yeah. Which is a little mean, I will say. And so when Terrence Stamp saw the movie for the first time at the premiere, was shocked that the, the way that he looked on screen. Yeah. But I think it is such a... It says so much about the woman she is. Right. Well, I think, I think it's so, um, smart and clever because it, it shows like the, um, that this woman is confident, knows who she is, um, knows what she wants, has such a strong bond with these two younger queens, like not even like two younger trans women, two younger gays who love doing shows. Yeah. And he's, uh, she is so annoyed by, especially um, Guy Pierce's character. We're unplugging our curling ones and going bush, Felicia. Why would you possibly want to leave all this glamour for a hike into the middle of nowhere? Do you really want to know? Desperately. Well, ever since I was a lad, I've had this dream. A dream that I now, finally, have a chance to fulfill. And that is? To travel to the centre of Australia climb King's Canyon as a queen in a full-length Gautier sequin heels and a tiara. Great. That's just what this country needs. A cock in a frock on a rock. Oh, get back in your kennels, both of you. Guy Pierce's character is the kind of slutty, um, sexy girl of the trio. Um, and there's like this moment where she's talking about her youth and like what happened to her and i'm like oh no they're gonna give her like a troubled past yeah and there's a scene where like an old uncle character is sitting at a tub and calls him over as a young youth to just stick his hand in the water and tug gently and i was like oh this is why he's the way he is and then it immediately cuts to him pulling the drain out from the tub and it's I just don't like seeing movies. It's really hard. I've talked about this before. Yeah. Seeing um, underrepresented or minority people being um, abused or hurt. I just don't like it. I don't want to see it. I know the truth of life. I right, I right. live that life. Right. I don't need to see that. And I don't need that to be shown on film to like help fucking white people or like privileged people to as, understand. As I, as I mentioned during the One Star Reviews, like I don't need people to be taught empathy in a movie. I just assu- would assume especially, everybody should have empathy. Especially through horrific violence. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to see it. Yeah. Um, and this movie, and I was worried this movie was going there, and it doesn't. It shows even at a young age, this um, human being was not going to be taken advantage of um, just because he was different. The plot of this movie is these three friends, they are taking a road trip from one part of Australia to the other. Yeah. Um, it's massive, whatever. Yeah. Because um, Hugo Weaving's character has gotten a call from his wife. Yes. Um, Not his ex. His wife. His wife. And um, she needs him to start pulling his weight as a father. He doesn't tell the other girls what's going on. Um, He's just told them he's booked a gig. Yes. And the antics all throughout. And they look amazing and stunning. All of it. When they finally get there, he's nervous about, like, 
revealing who he truly is as a drag queen, as a performer. Um, and what's so excellent and lovely about this movie, it is not about acceptance from others. It is about self-acceptance. Yes. And it is about Hugo weaving. You know, the kid truly is like, I don't care what you do, Dad. Like, I mean, in a more elegant, romantic way than that. Sorry about last night. I don't always uh, dress up in women's clothes. I mean, you know, don't get the wrong idea. I'm not supposed to know about the Abisher, but I'd really like to see it. Would you do Abba for me? Sure. You know what I am, don't you? Mum says you're the best in the business. Uh, well, your mother was always prone to exaggeration. Will you have a boyfriend when we get back to Sydney? Maybe. That's good. Essentially, this kid and the mom, they're like, it's not a big deal. Right. He just wants a dad. And no matter what you do or who you are. And I, and you see, like, that hard exterior melt off Hugo Weaving. The exploration of the self yeah. is just uh, so tender and warm. Um, it's definitely more an adult movie, just as far as, like, themes go and understanding. Um, but also so entertaining, like the, the musical numbers, um, the costumes. Oh my God. The, and, the f- and like drag, 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 like, you know, the, the, I honest, uh, obviously we talked earlier about the comparisons between Tu Wong Fu and this. And the difference I think too, is Tu Wong Fu, that drag, that is because real. it's Hollywood, it's about realness. realness. They're l- yeah. ladies. La- yeah. Um, and, but in, in Priscilla, the iconic flip flop dress. Yes. That, Reportedly cost $7. $7! It's of dress. It won them an Academy Award! Can you believe <laughs> $7 to make this go- I mean, this is high camp. Like, the Met Gala wishes. This, I mean, the, the looks are amazing. The, it's in the purest form. And it's not even just about realness. There's a scene where they're, they're all like dragons, like going yeah. out on stage. These are entertainers. Um, yeah. And I just, for me, it encapsulates, encapsulates so much. About family, wanting to belong, performing, loving camp, being aggressively who you are without right. any like recourse. Um, and just like your good fucking Judy's and, and like, you know, having fun. Um, I love this movie. Um, my five star review, I got very nervous about picking and I settled on it early and then I waffled back and forth a lot. So my pick is actually 2001's Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, okay. Um, yes. I know. As you mentioned before, too, you were like, it's maybe not a drag film. I'm going... I think people would would argue with you about it. I'm going with John Cameron Mitchell's definition of the fact that it is a drag film because Hedwig as a character is not somebody who has any confusion in their life about what gender they are, but they were forced into this surgery, that this mutilation, as he's right, right, um, that that has made them live the way they are. And also, what's interesting is you chose a film about self acceptance. Hedwig is a film about self acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hedwig is a as a rock musical story of a, a, a I believe he calls himself a little slip of a boy uh, <laughs> growing up in East Berlin. Who wants to desperately get out? He has a kind of tragic backstory. Once I know you don't love tragic backstories, but um, uh, Tra- tragic backstories are fine. Just like the violent, yeah. like portrayal of them on screen. I don't need that. Like, yeah. Um, 
Uh, and the only way that he can see to get out of uh, East Berlin at the time is by... Marrying a soldier. Marrying a soldier. He falls in love with this uh, American soldier. And the only way they can get out is if they're married. And the only way they can be married is if he passes a physical. So for him to pass his physical, he has to present as a woman. So they go in for a sex reassignment surgery. It is botched. botched. It leaves him only within an inch of genitalia. An angry inch. An angry inch. Um, and But they're able to leave for America. They move to Junks- Junction City, Kansas, where Luther, the, the army man that he married. Very hunky. Yeah. Though. Immediately leaves. Immediately leaves. Berl- the, the, the Berlin Wall falls. So Hedwig could have left without doing... He made a choice um, that he didn't want to make. Right. You know, he thought the only way to leave was to become a woman. Yeah. And, and then there are a lot of stories about this. You know, in the Middle East, being trans is seen as a medical thing. Yes. And it is, it is more accessible to be trans in the Middle East than it is to be gay. And there are stories... I, I read a, a novel about, you know, um, a young girl who she is in love with her best friend and she just she would rather be a man and go have surgery and there are cases where you know uh, family members catch their gay brothers and sisters and force them to get sex changes wow and so imagine just being like a gay man and you know you're caught and right if if you have a choice you can be stoned to death or killed however or you can go have a sex change and fucking you know like do you want to live or do you want to like have this sex change that you don't want. And Hedwig does not want to have a sex change. She's left in Junction City, Kansas, alone, doing nothing, and essentially starts taking odd jobs, working at army bases, and realizing that she loves music. Yep. And becomes a a musician. She falls in love with uh, essentially the son of a soldier that she's babysitting, who's of age. Yeah. So I will get that out of the way. Um, And essentially teaches him everything she knows about music about music and he becomes a famous rock star and abandons her and that's where she is she's on this tour that's following his tour Uh basically giving everybody the the tea on who tommy nasus the the rock star he's become is you know ladies and gentlemen the road is my home my home the road and when I think about all the people I have come upon in my travels, I have to think about the people who have come upon me. <laughs> Tommy, can you hear me? Yeah! From this milkless tit, you sucked the very business we call show. Okay. <clears throat> you want to know about Tommy Nosis? Yeah! Yeah! Okay, I'll tell you about Tommy Nosis. She's never come to terms with the fact that because her life has shattered, she has also gone about shattering all the lives around her. Yeah. And because she can't accept who she is, she's basically made it her personal mission to destroy the lives of those around her. Yeah. Including Yitzhak, who is her boyfriend. Yeah. Um... And Tommy, yeah, um, who's not a good person. I don't want to. I don't want to side with Tommy on this. But Tommy's a child, right? So Tommy doesn't realize what he's done. Yeah, it's a movie about self acceptance. As I mentioned, the songs are amazing. The looks are 
fucking amazing. And like the, the outfits they put John Cameron Mitchell in. And it's funny because it started as such a low rent thing. John Cameron Mitchell himself was very nervous about creating this drag character, um, without having a background of drag. He started out at this club called Squeeze Box, where in order to perform, you had to be in drag. Stephen Trask, who wrote the music, was the was the main musician at the club. When he approached the owner about this thing that he'd been writing with Stephen Trask, the owner was like, you have to do it in drag, um, but it can't be anything that's making fun of these drag queens and trans women who do this professionally. Hedwig is not uh, uh, something you slip on. Hedwig will be something you live. Being a kind of more traditional... Uh, actor, I was hanging out downtown and watching these drag queens and trans performers and rock peop- gods yeah. who were not famous doing their thing. There was a club called Squeezebox. It was very formative for a lot of people. And, and, and Justin Vivian ended up there. And all these people who I, I, I learned from, you know, and not being a real drag performer, I was you know, did not feel like I fit in at first. Mm. And the performance is just incredible. Like, absolutely. Like, it's, uh, you know, the the role of Hedwig, I mean, there are there is a reason why there are so many leading men that were, like, desperate to play Hedwig on Broadway. Absolutely. You know, I saw um, it in San Francisco with Darren Chris. Incredible. I saw it, um, it's going to make me sound like a crazy person, I saw it four times on Broadway. Uh, I saw Neil Patrick Harris, I saw John Cameron Mitchell, uh, I saw Michael C. Hall, who I think is probably my favorite. It took me a while to, took me a while to come to terms with that because I saw John Cameron Mitchell play it mm-hmm. on stage, mm-hmm. but he had injured himself, so it's a much less physical performance because he had to sit most of the time. Oh. Um, but Michael C. Hall brought such an intensity and anger to the role that I had not seen cool. uh, before, and I got to see Tate Diggs in it, and that was maybe the worst, but it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, he um, closed the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The movie's really fantastic. Miriam Shore plays the Itzhak in the film as well. Stephen Trask is also in the film, and Michael Pitt plays both Tommy Speck, Tommy Nelson's. I don't know. It's such a movie that's near and dear to my heart. Also, I don't know when I would ever maybe get the chance to to talk about it again. Yeah. And then, like, I don't, we're never, like, John Cameron Mitchell's directed, what, four films? Yeah, we're never going to yeah. do a John Cameron Mitchell episode. So if I figured you... I would just take my shot. Once again, I hemmed and hawed about this a lot. But I, I do think, for me, it's just a, a really amazing drag performance. But, yeah. Was I... there anything else that you saw that you think is an exemplary film? I did want to mention, and I, I didn't mention it during... Uh, the Rewind, there's this amazing Japanese film from 1969 called Funeral Parade of Roses. It's um, sort of an all-around queer film. There's a drag queen in it, um, and it's not it's not necessarily a, a drag film. It's, like, loosely based on Oedipus Rex, and, like, it's, it's good. It's not... Um, I don't know. Like, I, I told a friend about it, and he immediately looked up and was like, oh, that sounds like a sad gay film. It's not. It's, like, experimental and weird and, <laughs> and, and a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, of, like, the things that we talked about in our Rewind, I think the essential viewing, um, Torch Song Trilogy. Yeah. Vegas in Space. Which I also read, Vegas in Space, Doris Fish said, I wanted to make a movie that wasn't, like, sad, woe-is-me drag, right. like Torch Song Trilogy. Right. She just wanted a campy, fun, and so, essential viewing. Um, I think Robin Williams is incredible and Mrs. Outfire in that bucket of yeah. drag films. Um, like, truly the ally we deserve and needed. Um, to, I agree. I agree. Like, I, I don't know any, any other straight man who's been able to do drag as well 
as Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, save for the girls from Tuang Fu, which yeah, gotta watch. And I, I do feel like they did it respectfully. Absolutely. You know, like pageant is so interesting. If you if yeah. you like Drag Race at all, yeah. And like just to get more context about regional queens yeah. and like pageant system stuff. Yeah, I guess that's all. Those are those are my like highlights. Those are yeah. those are like required queer drag excellence movies that um you know everyone should see uh, i mean beyond like of course people should see victor victoria um if you haven't seen um some like it hot oh absolutely um, yeah that's that's like textbook yeah absolutely uh so before we move into our fast forward why don't we do our mixed reviews review for my one-star review, I chose 2011's Jack and Jill. And for my one-star review, I chose 1999's Flawless. For my five-star review, I chose 1994's The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> and for my five-star review, I chose 2001's Hedwig and the Angry Inch. All right, let's get into our fast-forward. I watched easily over 20 movies for this episode. Uh, and you've also been preparing your entire life. My entire life has led up to this moment. Like, I don't like it when people are like, oh, you watch Drag Race. You're not a true friend of drag or whatever. Like, yeah. if you like Drag Race, love Drag Race. Right. Fine. Great. Love the concept. Knowing about these other things makes it so much more fulfilling. Absolutely. It's so fulfilling to be able to see Aja do Crystal Abasia and know the reference. Know the reference. It's exactly. so gratifying and interesting to now go back and rewatch season three with Queens in Space and know the reference of Vegas in Space. It's so satisfying. And all the experience and, and you know, drag um, RuPaul is problematic as fuck. But, like, when you hear her say, like, know your references, know your history, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, now, like, watching these movies, I'm like, huh, okay, wow. My understanding of this group of people and the people who live to entertain and also, you know, cis straight entertainers who want to do drag and do it in a respectful way, in a good way, is just so much more fulfilling. And, um... I'm grateful that we got this opportunity to uh, mix up these reviews. Absolutely. Um, do I have any suggestions for the future of Dragon Film? I don't know. I mean, also, I don't know if it's my place, really. I mean, obviously, we both mentioned the movie Wig, which is on HBO right now. It's a documentary. Um, and I think that movie has a lot of interesting ideas about where yeah. um, gender performance is going, where... A big uh, half of that film is about Charlene, yeah. who is a Brooklyn queen who... Which you got to see this Sunday. She's amazing. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one better. In the movie... Uh, they talk a lot about Casa Diva, where she lives. Yeah. And there's performances of her at her house. I was at that party. <laughs> there, my boyfriend Derek is in that movie, like, in the overhead shot, like, watching her. I and didn't I, even notice Derek! Yeah. What? And I was at that, and I was at that show also, and it was incredible. I, I, and I remember being like, why are there cameras here? Um, and, uh, yeah, it was for Dwig. Um, and that is not a humble brag that like that fully like, No, no. And then that, that's not you either. That was fully like, yeah. you know, my boyfriend was like, "Oh, there's a party happening. We should go." I was like, "Okay, whatever." Um all that being said, uh yeah, drag continues to go in interesting new places. I think Charlene also because she has said for a long time she thought she needed drag race to become right. real uh, uh, this real drag queen or like whatever right. that means. And then coming to terms with like Everyone has their own lane. Everyone, you know, and, and this is not the end all be all. And, um, drag performance, whether you're a drag queen, drag king, bio queen, whatever it is, 
there is space for you. Absolutely. Uh, and I think if anything, and, and, and maybe that's where the future of drag needs to be is that it needs to reopen its doors because that's a funny thing is it, as we mentioned before, it feels like it was open. Yep. And then it boxed itself off. And maybe that's a portion of the pageant system. Maybe, you know, that's Hollywood. But I, I think mean, that, you know, trans women moving back in, trans men moving back in. I think a lot of it is because uh, there was like the Christianity sex panic. Yeah. Where it's like it. a lot of drag isn't necessarily about sex. Right. It's about entertainment and it's about, you know, just performing and the f- the more and more, the, the farther we get away from, like, you know, these drag queens on stage are not here to fuck you. Right. They're not here to, like, try and, like, convert you into, like, fuck me after the show. They're here to perform for you, get tipped, and have a good time. I think the further we get away from, like, you know, when people realize it's not about sex, it's about right. entertainment, and this is their job. It's an art form. Yeah. yeah. Um, the more we can appreciate the art form. Um and that, of course, includes trans women and trans men and um, all sorts and yeah. all sorts of just entertainment. Um, and for better or worse, you know, we, we I think we did see some bad movies that didn't hit the mark. But at the very least, it's continuing to push right. forward, you know, the art form. And um, and I think I think if you walk away from this podcast episode knowing anything, um, a lot a lot of these movies, the movies that like the the good movies, the five star movies didn't come necessarily from the Hollywood system, but yeah. are slowly infiltrating it. You oh, know, the absolutely. Fact, the fact that Wig is a documentary on HBO, admittedly, HBO's always been very friendly to this. As I mentioned, that Drag Time documentary was on HBO. Um, but the the audience that it gets from something like that is so much more in the mainstream than, say, something like Vegas yeah. in Space. Or... Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Tuong Fu made so much more money than Priscilla did. Right. You know, Priscilla was a small movie from Australia with only Australian actors. Like, it's there's a reason why these things happen. Yeah, as far as the, as the future goes, I don't know necessarily if I need to see more Hurricane Biancas. Right. But would I see Bob the Drag Queen in a movie? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think, do I think Alaska and Willem and these drag race girls who have these platforms now could be good movies? Yeah, I do think it could happen. I think it's more about, I mean, if we're, we're talking, we're still talking about access for like women and cis people of color right. in the Hollywood system. Yeah. What you do see are straight people doing these like very Oscar baity, tragic, yeah. whatever. Thank God now we're having the backlash of that where it's like, sit down, sis. We don't need Matt Bomer playing, you know, a trans yeah. person like we, t- um, Dallas Buyers Club. We don't need Jared Leto, Jared Leto yeah. doing, uh, this trans character because that is, he was in drag to play this trans person. Because the frustrating thing for any person, anybody who's seen as an outsider is, you know, we pay bills yeah. the same, you know, we yeah. do our laundry, we do the dishes. And it's interesting. I wonder if we're not seeing any more Mrs. Doubtfires or she's the man's because it feels a little flip now to, you know, to just like, what do we need another comedy about a straight person having to go undercover right. or do a sneaky thing, a, a, a lie, essentially. Yeah. Like Mrs. Doubtfire, she was lying. He was lying right. to be, to get the whole he, time, the whole time, the whole time, right in front of my salad <laughs> um, for a selfish reason, you know, like, yeah. and I don't know if yeah. we're, we're in a time and space where, it doesn't have to be about deception anymore. Yeah. Or if like 
it would even be socially acceptable. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it would or would not be, I don't know, but it definitely feels like Hollywood's too scared to even go there. And I think as a society, we would much rather just see, first of all, in that second bucket where it's seeing more like torch song trilogies, you know, more queer people who do drag as a profession and what their lives are like. And I am hopeful though, because we have such a plethora of great, Drag queens now. RuPaul and Drag Race have really given a platform for a lot of these queens to have these great careers and um, clear stars that we all love and want the content from or whatever. You know, I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, we see some... I mean, hello, we saw Shangela and Willem in Stars Born. Yeah. And they... And and every single minute they were on screen, killer. Yeah. Loved it. Absolutely. Excellent. and so hopefully we keep going in that direction. And um, yeah, I had a great time doing this episode. Me too. Absolutely. Um, so I think that that really sort of wraps up where we hope, you know, this genre, this mini genre is going. And yeah. Headed. I want so many more drag movies. I want... Me, me too. And like, once again, authentic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Man, I suck at closing these episodes. Um you should see you opening these episodes. Oh! I would... <laughs> I had to do it once. I know. <laughs> um, I do want to say this is our 49th episode. That's right. Next episode is going to be our 50th episode. Yes. So what we were thinking about doing was revisiting yep. um, all of the subjects that we've done before, if they've had a new project out. Yeah. You know, obviously this summer we got to see Will Smith as Genie oh, in Aladdin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we've seen Anne Hathaway multiple times. Yeah. So I, we're basically going to go back and, and look at our past episodes and talk about the things that have happened since. Mm-hmm. If there's anybody specifically that jumps out at you, please contact us. And there's yeah. many, many ways of contacting yeah. us. How do you can find us online? Well, we are on Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in the Mixed Reviews. You can email us mm-hmm. at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can find us everywhere. But honestly, truly, I would love, love, love if you guys would just message us however you can about, you know, revisiting anyone that we might have skipped over something that you really love or that they've come out with something since that you really love or hated. Yeah. Whatever. And, and we've done so many people michael douglas Cher, natalie portman like all these different people you mcgregor just just pile on with us yeah and if you're not listening to us on a subscription basis you can subscribe to us on apple podcasts stitcher radio uh iheartmedia spotify uh we're everywhere and if you are an apple podcast listener please rate and review us leave us a nice five-star review and type something nice for us and we'll read it on the show yeah there are so many, also a favorite thing of like drag movies, like all the clips. Yeah. They're so funny. These fucking movies. I love yeah. it. Read us for filth, but in yeah. a good way. Yes. R- drag me, please. <laughs> drag me. Expose us. Cancel us. God. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks to do our 50th anniversary episode. Can't believe we've made it. Oh my God. Two years of bliss. Blit, panty bliss. Panty oh, bliss. I didn't mention that movie. God. Panty Bliss, Google it. She's an Irish queen. Love it. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.